Trading Nut, episode 199. The first step I feel like is to keep them from taking the same wrong steps and, you know, mistakes that I did. So that's what I start with. I tell them like, number one, the easiest way to trade is learning structure first. And once again, I know that structure does not always maintain blah, blah, blah. But if you can understand structure and just simply don't, or I'm sorry, simply understand, don't sell it if you're sitting at a lower low and don't buy it if you're sitting at a higher high. Till this day, I mean, that will be one of the main things that will save you tons of capital spent. The market's going to do something. Your job is not to fight it. The market never, ever runs away. It's always there. That personal diary of trading will make you a much better trader than... I could be right about the direction, but wrong about the trade. Don't focus on the monetary side. Trying to make too much money on a trade is what I have seen killed every trader. Your losses offer you some of the greatest insight you can find into your mistakes. Relax. Learn the process. Candlestick pattern trading is a freaking trap. Don't be in a rush to become a millionaire. Let the market tell you what the market wants to tell you. This podcast is not financial trading or investing advice of any kind. What's up traders? Welcome to almost the 200 episode of trading that uh can't believe it now today we've got ray vaughan on the show now ray is a smart money style trader and he does some ridiculous risk to rewards you're going to find out what they are in the show along with well not as ridiculous as his two-day profit payout from a prop firm trading challenge 26k in two days from woe to go this is passing all the challenges everything you're going to find out how he did that in the show um other things about passing funding challenges, if you're looking to automate some of that, then check out my Robot Lab Live. We're in the process of building out a trading robot. We're almost finished the first one. You can still join now and get access to it um, to try and pass a funding challenge and then obviously go on and profit and withdraw from it as well. And uh, if you're looking to build your own trading robots, have the skills to turn any trading idea you have into an automated solution, then check out my Robot Builders Club. I teach you how to do that without doing any coding whatsoever. Uh, other things going on here at the channel, if you are interested in coming on the live scalping challenge for London Open, then hit me up at support at tradingnut.com. Let me know you're keen and we'll get a whole bunch of you together and we're going to do this live scalping London challenge. Um, Smart Money series is still running, so if you're looking for more Smart Money education, then that's over there on the Trading Nut YouTube channel as well with the guys there at Aerial FX before and after trade examples on that as well, which is awesome. And live streams hitting the channel every week, so please go and check that out. New traders coming on board pretty much every week. All right, guys, enough from me. Let's get on with the show. All right, folks, here we are on Trading Up. We've got Ray Vaughan in the house. Uh, Welcome to the show, Ray. Hey, thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. I didn't even actually ask you where you're based. Where are you based uh, at the moment? Yeah, I'm actually in California, Southern California right now. Awesome, lovely, lovely spot. Um, now, today we're going to dive into your trading story uh, and find out how you got to where you are now and also give the guys some advice and, and insights into their trading or what they could do with their trading as well. And I know you've been funded a number of time and you, times and you are sort of like almost a, an expert in getting funded as well. So we'll dive <laughs> into that as well for all those people interested. So to start awesome. with, um, how did you get started in trading and what, what was your sort of background? Cool. So yeah, I've been trading for roughly around seven years now. Um, Before I actually started trading, I was doing music for different TV shows in America, even overseas, like in the UK, where you're at as well. Um, And from there, I actually met a good friend of mine, Josh, and he was actually trading on MetaTrader at the time. 
Um, he showed me the app and was showing he was floating up a couple hundred dollars. And I'm like, so we just spent all this time making this music for, you know, maybe a thousand dollars and, you know, a few royalties, but you just made this on your phone in a couple minutes, you know, it completely blew my mind. So um, from that point, he basically taught me what he knew. I went through baby pips and from there, it just, it just took off, you know, yeah. like I spent almost every moment, 12 hours a day, just studying and going over it. So that's how it started. Um, I would say roughly two and a half years in is when I had that click where it was just like, stop making the same mistakes, stop blowing these accounts, be disciplined. And I, I feel like I learned enough through that time period to sort of build an actual trading plan. And I think that's what kind of propelled me to where I'm at now. And so, so let's dive into those two and a half years of like, I suppose, struggle. I mean, can you, yeah. can you remember like the worst possible time during that period and, and how you sort of structured it around your, your work and life balance? Definitely. So I remember there was one period when it was right around the election time and the markets were just sporadic, like they were going crazy. And I didn't know what I was doing. I had a thousand dollar account and I literally dropped, I think it was like two lots and I just randomly clicked buy. And I'm just seeing my P&L go from a couple hundred dollars up to negative $300 up to 200. And it's just spiking both ways crazy. Um, that was one of those moments where it was just like, I really felt the first pressures and the emotion of trading. And I'm glad it happened early on in my trading journey because it kind of taught me how dangerous this game could be if you don't know what you're doing. So from that point, you know, um, throughout the next couple months that I was trading and everything, I feel that it was more so learning the learning how to control the discipline of emotion and lot size and all that kind of stuff. Because when you when you first start trading, you see a little bit of profit and you're like, oh, well, if I just times 10 my lot size, I could have made this much, you know, and you're always trying to use the grass is greener analogy to, you know, make more money instead of just focusing on what you have and building it up consistently. Okay, so so was there, I suppose, a, a breaking point where you were like, uh, I've like, because obviously at two and a half years, you sort of, something changed, right? Something changed within you yeah. to go, I've got to sort this out. What what was sort of like the, I suppose, the ebbs and flows to the point where you were like, okay, this is this has got to change. Yeah. Honestly, I think it's when your back is up against the wall. Um, I was using a lot of the money I was actually making from my music and I was blowing it. And I was just getting upset and frustrated and I just told myself, like, if I'm going to continue doing these same things, there's no point in me continuing to trade because I'm literally just wasting my money. And, um, you know, I, I felt like I was in a good position. I was grateful for the position I was in with music. But for me to be in that position and literally just throw money in the trash can by me just not being disciplined, it made no sense. So I literally just had like a deep conversation with myself. I remember this day and I just told myself, like, from this point, you need to make a trading plan and stick to it to the best of your ability. Nobody's perfect, but if we can just, let's say, have three to four days out of a five-day trading week that we can stay immensely disciplined and then just take the other days off at first, that's all you need. So at first, I was only focused on trading a few days, and then the rest of the week, I can do whatever I want outside of it, you know, go have fun, blah, blah, blah. But those two, three, whatever I decided back then, that's all I stuck to. And so there's a, I think there's a sort of gulf there in between like deciding, right, I'm going to stick to, yeah. I'm going to create this trading plan. 
and then actually actioning the trading plan, which I know, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm like, you know, uh, I've been susceptible to it as well, not following the trading plan. Um, and I'm sure a lot of listeners out there have as well. So what, why and what at that point in time allowed you to stick to that plan? And how hard was it? Yeah, definitely. So it was very, very hard. But I think it was only hard because I wasn't doing other things in my life that made me disciplined. So I started trying to become more of a disciplined person overall than just focusing on discipline and trading. Um, another thing, I started reading books on self-development, like Think and Grow Rich and understanding how meditation and visualization and all that kind of stuff works. So I think with putting all that together, I started to build more of a, I'll say like a detachment from the excitement of trading. And I think that's the biggest thing is like, if you can detach yourself from the excitement of I may make this much money today and treat it more as a job as in I show up at this time, I execute and I leave and that's it. It changes. So for me, that was, you know, a big moment for myself. Um, it's really hard to say because when you're in that moment, you know, it's like everybody's journey is a little bit different, but I would definitely say uh, meditation, visualization, and um, just really, just really focusing on, a few days a week at first because I honestly believe that have you ever heard that saying like with billionaires they only make a few decisions per day yeah yep they keep and per week as well lot, yeah yeah so I truly believe that like as humans we have to control ourselves and put the decisions and our execution on certain things in a smaller time frame because we're not meant to let's say trade seven days a week we don't have the mental capacity the mental energy to do that so we have to cut it down to a smaller amount of time to be able to maximize our ability. And so can you talk talk to us about maybe the first day that you like so you got your plan, you're going into day one of that week and you're like, okay, yeah. the plan's in place, I've done the mindset stuff, I'm about to execute it. I mean, how was that different from the prior week or weeks? I think it was like I said, that detachment from, you know, like trying to make money. So my goal changed. I'll say that. My goal was instead to focus on the trading plan versus make money. And was that a profitable week for you? Yeah, surprisingly it was. And I took the least amount of trades in my trading journey in that week and it was more profitable. Hey, it's always the way, isn't it? It's just so <laughs> ironic. And and what were you uh what kind of strategy were you applying at that at that point in time? So back then I think I was trading like a a Fibonacci strategy where as long as it hits like the 50, 61.8 or 38.2, you know, you're, you're buying a bounce off of it. Um, I don't trade that way anymore, but yeah, that's where I started. And so, so like when you were looking for profit, uh, sorry, when you were taking profits and, you know, getting losses and stuff during that week, I mean, if we can sort of print out your statement, what would that statement have shown in terms of risk to profit, like risk to reward, and also number of trades, uh, let's say even versus the prior week or weeks. Oh, man. So let's start with the prior week. Prior week was probably anywhere from 10 to 20 trades in a day. Um, I'm more focused on scalping basically my whole career. So even when I first started, I was always in and out of the market. But once again, this is not how you end up succeeding in the long term. So after I, you know, stuck to my trading plan, I literally would enter one trade a day. And back then I would 
basically like I would discipline myself where knowing that I only have one shot today, if I, you know, blow this shot, I have to leave. I have to come back tomorrow. So I no longer can just sit there and say, oh, I, I should have done this. I should have done that. It's like, no, do the analysis before, trust yourself and just simply follow it. So I ended up only taking, I believe, three trades that week. And they were my biggest winners. I mean, I would say the previous week, anywhere from if I had a, a $2,000 account at that time, probably close to blow it, you know? Right. Um, the next week, I would say like back at that $2,000 point, probably anywhere from like a 8 to 10% gain, like, but disciplined, you know? Yeah. So... Which is which is quite, uh, I suppose, a swing from you know blowing an account, which is a hundred percent loss, yeah, and eight to ten percent gain isn't that much on a on a two thousand dollar account. Back in the day, I'm guessing there was no prop firms or the prop firms weren't Correct. really that prevalent. So, yeah, okay, right. So it's a completely different kind of um, kind of approach. Now, one of the things that's that's I think people might be interested in your opinion on is the difference between. And I've had past guests on the show before where they've um, well, in fact, it's only it's only one recent one, which uh, was Tom Hugard, uh, where he talked about not um, restricting the number of trades that you take during the day. In theory, you should be able to carry on trading if you're carrying out the same like uh, action plan or your, your trading plan, because it, it is essentially yeah, it's something you know you sh- you should there should be no difference, right? Because you should yeah. be mentally well enough to be able to take that trade without any emotional, uh, I suppose, d- disturbance. What's your view on that, given the fact that at that point in time, you're like, I mean, I've dropped from 10 to 20 a day to one trade a day. Uh, just interested in on your view on the difference between taking every single setup and taking just one and going, I'm walking away. If it wins, it wins. If it loses, it loses. I'm done. Definitely. Well, first off, I definitely respect his opinion, and he's a legend himself. So it's like, I, I get where he's coming from. I think... That's that's true, but it takes time to develop that level of discipline. So I think when you first start off, you have to start with those those small goals. As in, okay, today maybe you want to do trades and just simply follow the plan. But that turns into a month of following a plan, six months of following a plan, etc. And you build that habit where it's just it's like second nature. So I believe like long term, yes, for sure you can take as many trades as you want. Um, but I found more success in simply like putting it into a small block, you know what I mean? Just one or two trades and that's it for myself. And even the the members that I train, I've seen a lot of growth and success in the smaller amount of trades put on. Yeah, it's interesting. It is, it is interesting. And I think it's a good sort of like, um, I think, yeah, from what Tom has said to what you said, it's the thing, the main takeaway for me is it's the stepping stone, right? So don't, yeah. you can't dive in at the deep end. You've got to go into the shallow end and then work your way up. So that's a, that's a nice way to look at it. Now, um, you talked about scalping there. You were doing scalping. And I actually watched your video on, the, I think it was on your website just earlier. And you were talking about how you, you got stuck in a trade that you couldn't close because of software issues. And yeah. you just, you thought, oh, well, I'm going to scalp um, to keep my account in you know so i don't break any rules on the on the drawdown and stuff around the 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 prop firm yeah what what kind of scalping were you doing was it the same kind of scalping that you were talking about here or was that a completely different (laughs) approach to to scalping 
Yeah, I would say that scalping, I call that preventative maintenance scalping. But um, that scalping was different because it came with more skill and understanding of the markets versus when I first started trading. Um, so like the way I overall trade now is scalp entries with intraday targets. So for example, even though I was stuck in that trade, if we drop down to like, let's say the one minute, two minute time frame, the same exact candlestick patterns, wicks, et cetera, form. And what I was doing is just taking advantage of those um, smaller time frame movements um, from order blocks or engulfing candles. Uh, but yeah, that's what I was basically doing. Right. Okay, cool. And and so, okay, let's dive into a bit further on your journey. So you, you, you turned the corner, you got disciplined. You obviously found smart money concepts along the way. Um, how did that educational process go? Yeah, definitely. So honestly, I learned from, I would say, at least four or five different courses and, you know, YouTube and all that kind of stuff when I was um, first learning. So I think I started off in, uh, I want to say like Wall Street Academy or something by Q Banks. I think I've seen one of his courses and I think I bought it when I first started and started there. Um, and then that progressed from, or I'm sorry, progressed to meeting people in that group. And from there, we kind of started our own little niche group inside of that. And we would share concepts. And I met somebody that was really, really good at swing trading. But um, I don't have the patience for it at times to just see my P&L fluctuating like that. And still, let's say two days down the line, end up taking a loss. So he taught me how to read structure very well. Um, you know, I could analyze structure like nothing else. But it was just the holding of the trade for me. So what I ended up doing was combining uh, his, my friend's methodology with um, the lower time frames, like the one minute, five minute, et cetera, to kind of like formulate what made sense to me. And throughout that process, it was just refining over and over. And yeah, I mean, I'm pretty sure I came across the concepts on YouTube. Um, it's surprising too. Like I've been seeing a lot of comments on my videos as well from somebody named ICT or his students. Yeah. And I honestly never learned from him, but he has a lot of great concepts out there based around smart money. So yeah, for anybody out there trying to learn now, that's a good resource as well. So you're sort of like, you've just come up with your own way to do smart money concept style kind of trading uh, yeah. that may or may not reflect, well, it probably doesn't reflect what ICT does, who's been on the show before, um, to, you know, to the, to the letter. But it obviously works. Correct, yeah. I mean, what what yeah. were the sort of key elements in there in your discovery that that got you to the point where it was like these are key to making the smart money concept stuff work versus you know if it didn't have them then it's probably not going to be as effective. Like if you just traded order yeah. blocks only, which are like you know that that sort of last candle before the big push, you you're not going to win. Um, yeah. That that often, or you may not even make money. But there's obviously something in there that that solidified it for you can you can you explain what that is yeah so i think honestly you start to realize that a lot of concepts out there for trading are majority the same like i know a lot of people might be mad at me for this but <laughs> if you find an impulse level structure and you're waiting for a retracement back to you know let's say for Fibonacci traders, it would be back past 78.6. For order block traders, it would be the order block that created the impulse. For supply and demand traders, it would be the wick, you know, highlighting the zone from there. But it's all relatively the same thing. And I started realizing that at, like, I'll say three and a half, four years in. And once I did that, 
basically I just started combining everything I saw on the chart. So from what I understood from Wix, um, I have something that I call the Wix algo. I don't know if it's been out there before, but basically in an impulse leg, you know, there's a way to kind of have confidence in holding a trade longer. So there's certain concepts that I'll go over with you um, once we do the video later, but I would say overall, it's just like building up confluence and understanding that if the majority of traders are seeing something happening at a level, let's say that we're at an impulse high, we see a huge candle, mass psychology is going to want to enter there, you know? So it's going to cause a reversal and trap those traders. So it's like you start to think of things backwards from what the mass does and you see those candlesticks forming that tell you what I would say the institutional money is doing. So yeah, it, it's hard to explain in words. <laughs> I would be yeah, better we'll, showing it. Yeah. yeah, we'll have a look on the video. So guys, do remember to go and check that out. There'll be a link under this That's one great. to find it. Um, now, uh, do you want to give the, the, the listeners some, I suppose actually before we dive into your trading here and now, what about like moving into the prop firm world? And I mean, what stage were you at when you, I suppose, gave up on music and I don't know if you've given up on music, but, you know, where you sort of put music to one side and trading was going to be your main source of income. What was the sort of turning point for that? Was it the prop firms or was it not? Honestly, it was before the prop firms. Um, I was able to make pretty good money before the prop firms from saving up from the music and, you know, other things. So luckily I was able to actually get good returns on my money. But honestly, I would say the main thing that transitioned me over to uh, trading full time was the fact that when I had to make music, I had to sell them to companies like Sony or Warner Music. And when you love something, like when it's your passion and you have to sell it, it comes with critiques. It comes with, um, well, can you change this? Can you change that? And the work became just far too much for what the um, compensation was. And, you know, when it's your passion, you love something, it's like you don't really want to continue changing your art or, you know, destroying it in a way because you're the musician, they're not. So that was a big thing for me. And I already knew how to trade. I already had capital saved up and I had consistent returns. So I was like, hey, I need to put all of my focus in one thing. So, yeah, I did put music on the back burner. Yeah. But that was before prop firms. And and what was that transition like? You know, moving into trading because I suppose with music, you, I don't know. I'm guessing you you're probably dealing with a lot of people, band members, and or unless you did it all yourself, to to a, such yeah. a you know to a an, an environment where you are literally you know you you're on your own trading unless you had a community. I mean, how did that transition happen? Honestly, I would say it went pretty smoothly. Um, I've always been an entrepreneur spirit, so I've always been kind of like the lone wolf. So. Even with music, um, I, may, I mainly made beats. So I would make beats and send them out to get, you know, vocals put over them. They would send it back. I would mix it, and then I will send it to the company. So the workflow was very similar as, you know, with trading. I'm just at home by myself, you know, wake up at a certain time, analyze the charts, put in the trades, et cetera. So the transition wasn't honestly that hard. And, and what, did your, what did your trading day look like back then or even now? So trading day, I would say, started at like 4 a.m. So for me, um, New York session starts at 5 a.m. PST here. So I have to be up at 4 a.m. to get ready for that. And then I would basically trade for about two to three hours. So from like 5 a.m. to 8 a.m. 
And then after that time is when I would start the studying. So I would just literally study until I got tired and passed out. So literally 12 hours of studying, probably like two to three hours of trading. Well, yeah. And it seems, I mean, I, I just interviewed uh, uh, someone else yesterday or the day before, and they were saying the same kind of thing, like a lot of it is studying <laughs> and work and yeah. very little trading. Uh, now, what about the prop firm uh, transition? I mean, was this just a, something to do? Because it sounds like you were at that point, you know, pretty successful in what you were doing. Was it just like, hey, look, let's give it a go kind of thing? Or what was the thinking around this? Definitely. Um, well, honestly, I feel like I, I kind of talked about this earlier, but I feel like prop firms are giving opportunity to people who may not have a certain amount of capital. And if we think about it, I mean, I was 20, I think I was 20, 21 at the time. So, you know, you're still trying to save up capital, get, you know, get a car, get all this stuff, pay this, pay that. So it's hard to save up 20, 30, 40, $50,000, especially to put at risk in an account. You know what I mean? So being able to, you know, go with a prop firm that's offering 100K, if you can pass this two-phase challenge, it just made way more sense. Even if I did have, you know, capital saved up on my own, it was like, now I'm only risking 500 bucks and I get a refund plus payouts in the future for it. So that was kind of uh, my thought process behind that. And once I started, it just took off. And I always tell like the people I work with too, like my students, you have to prepare before the opportunity comes because I was already studying. I was already spending 12 hours, 14 hours on the charts a day for years before I even discovered prop firms. So when they came around, I was already ready to take advantage of them. Because you've had some quite crazy uh, gains or, or um, I suppose, yeah. qualification times around these prop firms. Can you, can you let the guys know what what's the craziest you've managed to achieve? <laughs> yeah, so... We'll, we'll go all the way back to around the Funding Talent time. Now, Funding Talent was a company, a prop firm that was around a couple years ago. I would say like two to three years ago. Um, but they changed the game of prop firms because of the fact that they no longer made you wait um, a day or longer to get your phase two credentials. So they basically cut it out where you can literally get them as soon as you pass. So what I was doing back then is in a 24-hour period, I would pass both phase one and phase two. I would literally, <laughs> it was crazy. And then they would pay out on the 15th. So I remember there was this crazy time where I took a new challenge on the 13th. I passed phase one and phase two on the 13th, got the credentials for the live account on the 14th, made 26,000 <laughs> that day, and then got the payout. <laughs> Ridiculous. Ridiculous. Yeah. And so, so how 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 were you able to achieve that sort of two phase verification? You know, was it one trade that you were doing that was high risk to reward, or how did you do it? So, going back to how I trade, I trade like scalp entry. So my stop losses can be anywhere from one to five pips on average. Sometimes they go a little bit bigger. I'd say like six to seven pips, but I try to keep it down to around one to five. Um, so this allows you to maximize your reward. For example, for one to three, all I need is 15 pips. And, you know, a move on an intraday scale can go anywhere from, let's say, 30 to 60 pips. If I'm able to catch an impulse like that, you know, I'm catching 10, 20% on one trade. So usually it would take around two trades. And from there, yeah. <laughs> 
So, so uh, sorry, my cat just threw up in the hallway there. Um, oh, <laughs> and I missed that. Did you? Uh, what was the risk on the on the trade? One percent. One percent. Okay, right. And yeah. you were, and you're pretty confident that okay. So if you if you lose one, then you the second one you'll most likely get that and win. You know, you're twenty percent on the on the account easily. Oh yeah, because basically they would give you like let's say um, a drawdown limit of six percent per day. So I understood. Okay, like. I'm going to treat this just like I treated my trading plan with my personal capital, as in I'm going to trade 1% and my main targets are one to threes. So I tell everybody, like, just go for a one to three and take partials or something at least. Um, it's it's very easy to become profitable just taking profits at one to three. Mm. But once you get better, that's when you can hold for the extended targets. So for me, um, you know, that's what I kind of did. And with the small stop losses, you're catching an impulse uh, news coming out at New York session open. It's a no brainer. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. really cool. That's, that's fantastic. Uh, and so, so from those prop firms, I mean, do you carry on trading with them or are you like now I don't really need them kind of, kind of position. So it's a mixture. Um, unfortunately, funding talent went out of business. So, you know, that kind of shut that one down, but there's tons of options out there right now. I'm funded with, um, my Forex funds and the funded trader currently. And FTMO is another good one. I did have issues with them before, but they seem like they've, you know, fixed all of that and everything. So, yeah. Okay. So you still use, you still use them. Um, now, what about yeah. like you're trading these days? So how many days a week are you trading? Uh, what's the average number of trades you'll take during the course of a week? Gotcha. So, Honestly, yeah, I trade every day now. And I actually have a live trade room where I trade my students every day um, from 5 to 7 a.m. But I would say on average, I limit myself to two to three positions per day. If I take a win, I'm done for the day. If I take a loss, I'll give myself usually just one more shot. Um, Depending on the market conditions, I might give myself, you know, a third shot. Uh, If I notice that we're in consolidation for the day, it's no point in wasting the extra 1% on a trade. But let's say that, you know, we get a retest back to a level and the wick just barely taps us out. Maybe I'll give another shot to that. So I would say roughly in a week, two times five, so 10 to 15 trades per week. Okay. So what about the, uh, what about your average sort of win rate and risk to reward ratio on those trades? Definitely. So of course it varies. Um, I would say anywhere from the low side on the win ratio could be anywhere around like 45% all the way up to months where I've had 75 and 80%. Um, as far as my risk to reward, I go for the one to threes. So that's my first take profit, depending on the market conditions and how strong I feel about the impulse that we're currently catching. Um, we'll go for extended targets and that's when we can go for the extended one to eights, one to tens and all that. But what I try to do, um, with how I teach others is like, make it realistic as in, you're not always going to catch the crazy risk to rewards, you know? So going for a one to three is way more logical and profitable. And so what about um, your backtesting for this strategy? I mean, how, how much backtesting did you have to do? Do you still do it? Do you, you know, what did that look like? So much, so much. Like, literally, like I said, 12 to 18 hours a day for like five years. So I just started to make folders. And what I would do is I would, um, I would go on the chart and highlight uh, specific times of day. Like, let's say Asian session start, New York session start, and London session start. I understood that those are when the most momentum comes into the market. Now, I would backtest how long the impulse has lasted for from those sessions. I would backtest what caused the transition, 
Were there bearish order blocks, bullish order blocks? Was it a lot of exhaustion or liquidity? Um, just literally everything. I would question everything. And then I'll keep a folder on my computer with screenshots and, you know, notes next to it. So I would say that that helped me more than anything else because it gave you something to reference on current market conditions. And so with the, with the screenshots, like, you know, 5,000 screenshots, or was it more, uh, more like here's seven screenshots of different market conditions that I know, you know, I can sort of go, okay, well, that's one condition. That's another Honestly, it was, I would go with the thousands. Oh, because, seriously? Okay. Yeah. And you I, just... would, I, I would just cycle through them because I feel like although, yes, you could pick like, let's say seven setups, you'll start to notice if you take, let's say thousands, once again, if you take thousands of those pictures, you'll start to notice certain characteristics of days, weeks, pairs, you know, and you start be, to become more familiar with it, so. Now, I know you've got like a, a thriving community over there. Uh, I mean, the guys that are coming through now, how do they, obviously, I think they're, they're probably going to, you know, be joining up with you to save themselves having to do 12 hours a day for five hour, five years. Um, yeah. How do you get them to that point where this stuff becomes, I mean, they get confident in it and they, um, they can execute at a level, you know, similar to you? The first step I feel like is, to keep them from taking the same wrong steps and, you know, mistakes that I did. So that's what I start with. I tell them like, number one, the easiest way to trade is learning structure first. And once again, I know that structure does not always maintain blah, blah, blah. But if you can understand structure and just simply don't, or I'm sorry, simply understand, don't sell it if you're sitting at a lower low and don't buy it if you're sitting at a higher high. Till this day, I mean, that will be one of the main things that will save you tons of capital spent on useless trades. So once you can get that out of your system, it's like, okay, understand that the market gives you multiple opportunities to get in on it. And that's where like the understanding of smart money and order blocks come into play, because I see the order blocks in the market almost like building blocks. So almost how Legos stack, that's how order blocks stack in the market. And they give you retests over and over and over to get in on it. So once you understand that concept and understand, like, let's say you miss an entry on the five minute, simply go to, I'm sorry, go up to the 15 minute and you'll find an entry there off of a retest. So it's more so teaching them the fun fundamentals of how the market works, how it operates, the algorithm behind it. And then from there, it becomes simple. All you have to do is flow with it. And what, what time frames are you typically entering trades on? I always use either the one, two, or three right. minute. Yeah. Uh, and um, what markets are you covering? Only Euro USD. Only one market. Yeah. Really? Only one market. Yeah. I should have found that out before I interviewed you. Um, <laughs> and so, so how does that how does that play out with like other clients of yours that are wanting to trade other markets? Do they have the same? Do they do that? And do they have the same results? Or how does that work? Interesting enough, like the whole group trades different pairs. A lot of people that want to, you know, just follow my footsteps exactly, you know, they'll go with Euro USD. But honestly, they can trade any pair. I just tell them to stick to one because what happens is, especially early in your journey, you hear about correlation. And then all of a sudden you think you're a master trader. You're like, well, if Euro's going up, that must mean USD JPY is going down. So I'm gonna do this and that. You end up risking so much more money, blowing so many more accounts. So what I tell them is just stick to one. That way you have one directional bias. And no matter what market condition it enters, 
you have a better chance of actually being profitable. Mm. And why did you pick that one market in particular? It, it was multiple things. So I started on that pair number one. It also has one of the lowest spreads um, available on any broker. When you trade it on prop firms, it literally bounces around like zero to 0 0.1 pips, which means if I'm using a small stop loss of let's say five pips and the market starts retracing, I still have basically my whole stop loss versus let's say you trade GBP, JPY, 2.2 pip spread, right? So your five pip stop loss is really only like 2.8. Mm. So being able to maximize my use of the lower time frames with my small stop losses, Euro just made sense. Yeah, it's interesting. It's interesting. Um, and it, yeah, it does make sense for the prop firms as well, for the low yeah. spreads. Uh, so what about like, if you think back to the beginning, what do you think made you different from everyone else out there who's, you know, dived into trading? Man, I think, like I said, it was like the entrepreneur spirit because I brought it over to trading um, from the music and, you know, everything else I was doing. I always owned my own business. So I've never had to actually like work a normal job. I'm very grateful you know, for that. But I also understand the struggle that a lot of others go through from that. But um, I think it was like the discipline of understanding that every day that I wake up, no matter what I do, it's on me. As in like, nobody's going to help me. Nobody's going to pay my bills. No one's going to force me to, you know, do the right thing today. So it's like, I had to develop a character and a discipline to be able to do the things I needed to do every single day. And that carried over very easily, I would say, into trading. And um, yeah, from there, it just took off. Uh, and what about like, uh, I suppose if you flip the script and somebody who has got a day job, they are working, I mean, and they obviously come through as a client of yours. What, what, what do you sort of say to them and how do you get them to the point where, you know, this becomes a part of their life and normal for them to succeed? Definitely. I would say, number one, everything has pros and cons. So having a job is good because it gives you some kind of income at the moment. But it also, um, you know, locks up your time a little bit. So depending on where you live, depending on your time zone, it could, you know, create a conflict with when you want to trade. So that's the biggest thing is I would tell them if you can't actually trade at your job when you need to either try to try, uh, find a new position or do something where it's not correlated to like so much structure. For example, I know people that I've told to, you know, do Instacart or something like that that we have in America, which is like delivering food or groceries. And they can make a killing. They can make six figures a year doing this, but it's on their schedule. So instead of, you know, having to work a nine to five, they can go trade in the morning from five to eight and then go head out and work, you know, until however long they want to for that night and still make good capital. So that would definitely be one of the things I say. Um, and then also use the job as motivation, as in understand the structure, how it works, understand, <clears throat> excuse me, the people at the top, the levels of discipline they have to have to maintain the structure of that business, learn as much as you can because every business for the most part has similarities. And even with trading, it's the same thing. So if you work in sales or you work in management, it's going to come down to the bottom line as in how much money is coming in and how much is going out. So with trading, going back to why I trade Euro, paying less per uh, pip on spread is helping me keep more money in. Understanding how, you know, I'll say like understanding how money goes out, uh, as in you're paying your broker, the fees, the spread, all that, commissions, understanding that is going to help you in the long run as well. Maybe not at first, 
But as you get bigger and you start trading with, let's say, a 100K account, that's going to turn into thousands and in fees and commissions that can be eaten up. So just overall understanding that your environment is always helping you get to that next level. Now, um, I know you, I've watched some of your videos, as I mentioned earlier on, and I saw you had a, you know, something in there about meditation and uh, yeah. I, I guess that's one of your mindset kind of techniques. Have you got any any other mindset techniques along with that that you can uh, share with the listeners today? Definitely. So I kind of made my own meditation style for trading. That was one of the biggest things that like I struggled with because I understood the benefits of meditation. It makes you calmer, makes you more relaxed. Um, makes you more present, all that good stuff. And there was a lot of information on the, the internet about like awareness with trading, right? But it didn't really teach you how to do it. So I ended up actually getting a life coach a couple of years back and the life coach taught me these meditation practices, but taught me how to visualize trading success. And this is something that I teach my students as well, but you can actually visualize yourself with the winning feeling of taking that trade, um, holding that position, because that's another thing. It's like, even though you take the correct trade, you have to be able to manage it correctly, right? You have to be able to control your emotions, et cetera. So that was the next step is like, if you visualize yourself watching the candlesticks form, watching the market pull back towards your entry and being calm and collected, it becomes easier because what we visualize, your brain can't tell the difference. So you're building new memories and new um, neural pathways to actually help you in the future. That's very interesting because that's exactly what Tom Hugard was talking about and when I interviewed him. <laughs> um, exact same process I think he takes before the, the trading session. Uh, yeah. And now I think about it, it ties into what Mark Douglas had in the Trading in the Zone book around, Oh yeah. you know, go. you need to, one of the key things was going into it with a winning mindset, right? So this is yeah. giving you that winning mindset, whereas... Um, if you go into it like thinking, well, could be a losing day, well, that's definitely not a winning mindset. So, yeah, oh, very yeah. interesting. And, and so, do you teach this to your to your members? Yeah, one hundred percent. Awesome. And we have certain meditations that we actually created. Um, some of them have my voice, some of them don't, but they just guide you through it. But yeah, we've seen a lot of benefits in our community from it. And how hard was it to to do the meditation and to get to a point where you were quite confident and well, not confident, but just so where it was working for you or you've felt, you know, that it was working. Got you. So I recommend a book named uh, Psycho Cybernetics by Maxwell Maltz. Yeah. That book is amazing. And that's kind of the structure I followed as well. And he talks about how around the two week to three week period is when you'll start to see subtle changes. And that's when I noticed like my impulses to just enter the market or just be a part of the market disappeared. And it was more so me focused on only participating when I felt my setup was present versus, you know, like just trying to enter at any moment. And you just, yeah. it's like you, you get addicted to it and you just want to always be a part of the market. But I felt like it took a step back. And when I looked at the markets, it was more so of looking at it as in, okay, this is a job. I don't have to participate. I'm only going to participate when it meets, you know, my trading plan, my confluences, and then just simply flow with that. Yeah, it's interesting. It's, it's I've listened to that book uh, on Audible years ago. In it's fact, my favorite book. Yeah, it was it was awesome. I think I even listened to it twice. 
but I can't remember anything about meditation in there. Um, so, so he focused more on, he called it self-hypnosis and visualization, uh, right. but he talked about several studies. One of them was that a golfer, um, a professional golfer used visualization to practice for his um, games or tournaments. And he wouldn't practice actually on the course. He would only practice mentally. And he's seen like 34% um, increases in his abilities to be able to, you know, win these tournaments and all kinds of stuff. Same thing for basketball players, et cetera. So it basically teaches you that mentally training for anything actually trains just as much or even more than if you do it physically. Mm. Yeah. Um, right. Let's, let's dive into uh, the last question before we get the quick fire round uh, done. Sure. Now, what about if, so we've talked about quite a bit, few things here and it's all been awesome. Uh, what one thing would you recommend somebody would go away and spend the next month mastering uh, to try and get to the point where they flip a, you know, an account from being not negative to a profitable, let's call it a trading week or a trading month? And that's a good one. If I had to choose just one, I would say definitely start to understand how supply and demand works in the market. If you can understand that, everything else will make sense. You understand that Basically, if you want to call it institutional money, smart money, whatever you want to call it. But all this happening is that money is entering the market at specific levels and then impulsing price down. And then money's coming in once again and impulsing price up. If you can understand these levels in the market and trade from one to the other, <laughs> it, it becomes very simple. Right. So I would say definitely focus on supply and demand, which in my opinion is very similar to whether you want to call it um, order blocks and the highs and lows of impulse legs with structure. Right. Interesting. Interesting take on it. Yeah. Um, now, right, let's jump into the quick fire round. Uh, so how long did it take you to go from newbie to consistently profitable? I would say right around 2.5 to 3 years. Uh, what's your favorite entry setup? Ooh. I would say a higher time frame order block such as like on the H1, um, retesting the base candle, which is like the smaller candle in the engulfing pattern. So at that point i would like to see on the one minute a break of structure and a retest and an engulfing form on that right side and yeah that would be my favorite entry rewind that guys you'll be able to understand if you draw it up on a chart or have a look um <laughs> what about strategies for, uh, what strategies do you use to exit or manage trades so like i said um my first take profit is the one to three risk reward i usually take profit at least 33 percent of my entry and then move to break even so that basically allows me to walk away with something if you're trading with a prop firm, 100K, 1% um, risk, that's $333 that you already, you know, locked in. Or I'm sorry, actually $1,000 that you already locked in. Um, so no worries on it. From that point, I'll go for extended targets based off of liquidity. Righty-ho. Um, what's your recommended trading book or resource? Definitely anything Mark Douglas. So the disciplined trader, trading in the zone. Um Trading Beyond the Matrix is another good one. I forgot the author's name. Or Van Tharp, actually. Dr. Van Tharp. But he has another good one. Psycho-Cybernetics by Maxwell Maltz. And, of course, like Think and Grow Rich. Uh, now, if you could leave our listeners with one piece of advice, what would it be? That was going to sound cliche, but just never give up on yourself. Understand that anything you perceive as possible will become possible and will become your reality. So... Just simply focus on the end goal and start creating your future towards it. Brilliant. Awesome stuff. Well, look, before we wrap up, uh, what's the best way for the traders to get hold of you? 
Definitely. You can find me on Instagram at RayvonFX. Um, the website is tgfx-academy.com. And you can also find over 100 and I believe like 20 videos on YouTube um, at Technical Gods. Brilliant. Look, a big thank you to Ray for sharing with us today. Everything we discussed here, along with all those links he just mentioned, are in the show notes. To find them, simply search for Ray in the search box on tradingnut.com. Until next time, I wish all my listeners trading happiness and success. Hey folks, ever wonder what broker I use? Well, I use Hanko Trade. It was a no-brainer because I was looking for a broker with good trading conditions and one that wouldn't restrict my leverage. Now, by joining Hanko Trade, I've also cut down my trading costs significantly with their super low commission of just $1 per 100k. You can learn more at hankotrade.com or just click the link I've put in the description. All right, folks, there you have an interview done with Ray. Now, we did shoot a video after this where he shows a trade that one of his clients took and made a ridiculous 40k on a prop, uh, I think it was a prop challenge or it was either a prop withdrawal for the day. It was done in about like one minute as well. So guys, you gotta go and check the video out. Links will be in the show notes. They'll also be uh, on the YouTube channel as well. Do remember other things to go and check out whilst you're clicking around. Robot Lab Live, uh, Robot Builders Club, the Scalping Challenge, email me uh, support at tradingnut.com. The Smart Money series, the new Smart Money series over there uh, with the team at EuroLFX on the Trading Nut YouTube channel and the other live streams. Hit subscribe, hit like, and click on that notifications bell on YouTube so that you don't miss them. And we'll see you next week in episode 200.